137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Hidden Treasure episode. Hopefully, one of the last remaining ones, because we should have the rest of the episodes up and running here shortly. That being said, with me, as always, is Presto. What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodunes and crocodingos and ghouls and ghoulettes? <laughs> there you go. Um, this, for a lack of uh, anything else, I guess is your bachelor party, buddy. Yeah, this is my uh, this is my last night as a. Uh... It's your last night as a free man. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this Saturday night on October fifteenth, and tomorrow you and Jeffrey are getting a married. Yep, tying the old knot. Uh, you'll be there. Isaac will be there. Yeah, good stuff, man. Steven, of course, couldn't join you for that or us tonight because he is at a different wedding up in uh, Minnesota right now. So, and I was, was okay. I was okay with that till I got on Facebook and saw uh, Katie's post about how great Steven was with helping uh, Brentley get the tuxedo on. And then I'm like, what the fuck? Who's gonna help me get my fucking suit on tomorrow? Because we did a, <laughs> we did a dry run last night, and I had to have Blake help me, and it didn't go so great. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, it might be nice to have Steve around so somebody could help me professionally get my... When he gets back and you get back from your honeymoon, you guys could have a little dress-up session, you know? I don't mind watching while he dresses you and undresses you. I mean, I might kind of dig that, actually. Yeah. I mean, it. listen, it is not the worst photos we've taken with the three of us and even with Isaac yeah. at the helm. <laughs> One of these days, we have to release those... Um, Dudewar photos, if you ever want to. I'd be game to drop a couple. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Nobody knows what we're talking about. <sighs> well, be on like, this Steve, episode... zip me up. <laughs> <laughs> give, it her, give it a tug, Steve. Give it a tug. Oh, mercy. <sighs> well, on this episode, uh, we noticed there's been a lack of spooky shit on these uh, Hidden Treasure episodes, and so we wanted to drop some fun stuff because we're also getting closer to Halloween. And real quick, speaking of Halloween, did you have a chance to watch Halloween Ends yet? No. Uh, did we discuss last episode Hellraiser? I watched Hellraiser. I watched the new Hellraiser. Okay, sweet. But uh, I did not watch Halloween Ends. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I caught Hellraiser as well. Um I really enjoyed it, dude. Without spoiling anything for people who haven't seen it, I I liked it. What did you think? Yeah, I, my only complaint was I thought the filming of it was a little too dark. Like, it needed more lighting mm -hmm. to make the scenes a little brighter. But uh, just the, the plot, the story. Um, dude, a female pinhead is actually pretty badass. Um, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I was kind of like on the fence on how I was going to feel about that because uh, Doug Brady, Bradley, whatever his name is. Uh-huh, um, Bradley, yeah. He's such an iconic pinhead and then in a later series when they I mean the later movies were like really crappy B movies and so when they switched actors like it was just fucking cheesy and I'm like I'm over it um, there was that one like Hellraiser where uh, the family's throwing a dinner party and like 
the one kid shows back up, and then he he's actually been possessed by the the box, and then like the whole family gets ripped apart. And I'm just like, this it's the worst fucking like the CGI, the 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 writing, like everything about this. And then they just have some no name actor as like Pinhead. I'm like, fuck, I'm over this. And so like when they <laughs> they rebooted it, and then I'm like, they got a budget. And I'm thinking like, oh man, like this is gonna be amazing. And then they're like female Pinhead. And I was like, ooh. I don't know how I feel about this, but uh, I think there's a lot to do with that, like backstory, like how did she become Pinhead, like what's going mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. is there some weird cult thing, like witchery gone wrong, um, so I, I was actually pleased, I know a lot of people are on the internet are talking shit, but I mean, people are talking shit about the Ring of Power, and that show's actually not that bad, so... I mean, people are going to complain sometimes just to complain. Yeah. Um, with Hellraiser, I've never got a chance to read The Hellbound Heart yet. I'm trying to find a decently priced copy of it because, you know, I need to add more to my 40-plus horror movie novelizations. But from what I understand, the actual Cenobites, especially Pinhead, weren't necessarily male or female, and they were more androgynous, and we just got Doug Bradley to be Pinhead in the original, you know, series. And that's just what we got. And that's who we know him as. Cause you know, he's up there with the ranks of like Jason and Freddy Krueger and Candyman, And so we just know him as a dude. And then in reality, all these fucking tryhards are just like, Oh, you can't do that with a girl. Cause girls can't be Pinhead. Cause Pinhead's got a wiener. Right. And I mean, in reality, no, um, I mean, she did a fantastic in, job in any mythology, angels and demons are really androgynous. So, yeah. like, they they got Ken doll parts, people. There's nothing down there. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, Jamie Clayton fucking did a great job playing Pinhead. And what's funny is RTV currently is going out. So, you know, one of your complaints and a lot of people that I've talked to that liked it, the main complaint was it's just a very dark film, like dimly lit well, with RTV going out, I've had to jack the brightness up <laughs> so we can still use it. And for us, it was actually lit very well. So <laughs> I would up the agree. Contrast. It's even, yeah, yeah, up the contrast a little bit. You can see those Cenobites a hell of a lot better. But yeah, man, I, I would have liked maybe another 15 minutes worth of it. But otherwise, if you can separate yourself and say, listen, I know they will not make a better film than the original two movies, because the original two Hellraisers are just, I mean, they're they're up there. They're close to perfect. So don't think that they're trying to outdo the original. Just think like we're giving you more of that really, really great universe. We're giving you more of that IP. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah. I think it makes a very solid third entry in the franchise. And it's just like fucking Ghostbusters, man. Everybody got butthurt about Answer the Call. It's just girls Ghostbusters, and that's not my Ghostbusters, and it's dumb because they're girls. That movie was fucking awesome. Worst case, the absolute worst thing I have to say about it is the it's dancing. more fucking Ghostbusters. Oh, well, the dancing was silly, but at the end of the day, like, it's still fucking Ghostbusters. Yeah. You still had a very well put together Ghostbuster movie with awesome fucking special effects. All those ladies, and it's even fucking stupid to be like, and those lady actors did a good job. But no, all those women did a fucking phenomenal job portraying new characters. And I think fucking, just because we remake something doesn't mean you get the original taken away. Yeah. 
If you if you yeah. want my honest opinion about like how you should watch Hellraiser, so what you should do is watch Hellraiser one and Hellraiser two, mm-hmm. fuck three, uh, mm-hmm. because they had that stupid like CD DJ Cenobite that shot out like CD disc and like you know went to people's heads. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then go to Bloodlines because that is you know for not being a direct sequel so to speak of the original mm-hmm. story. Um, that was probably one of my favorite Hellraisers, like, because uh, you, you get the, the history, the, that lore of the box, and I love that. And then go to the reboot. Just go directly to it. Those are your mm-hmm. four pinheads. That's your, that's your canon of Cenobites right there. Um, and just all the rest of it's garbage and don't worry about it. <laughs> Fair. Fair to say. Well, without spoiling anything, then, again, um, we just finished Halloween Ends about half an hour before you and I jumped on to record, and the room is pretty split when it comes to people, whether they liked this movie or hated it, but I'm going to go on the record and say it. I fucking loved it. Yeah, I really think, enjoyed uh, it. I think after the last episode, we chit-chatted a little bit about it. You'd asked me if I'd seen it yet, and I said I'd get to it, and sadly, I haven't yet. No, you um, have a lot going on, buddy. I, I the the original Halloween um I always enjoyed like the first Rob Zombie one wasn't bad but then the second Rob Zombie like Halloween 2 like was just hot garbage I got a <laughs> stellar deal I thought at the time it was on sale on Voodoo for like a dollar 99 I'm like this is uh-huh. fucking awesome this is so cheap because yeah, every Halloween I try to go through and watch like tr- I try to watch Halloween movies that I haven't seen before. Like it's the season. So if I can get through three really, you know, B movie style Halloween movies with the kids, like, you know, I'm ecstatic. This was on like a dollar 99 on voodoo. Like, yes. And then I turned it on and two minutes later, I'm like, this is what, what the hillbilly horse shit is this? And I just <laughs> shut it off. And the kids are like, Hey, we got to watch that Halloween movie. I'm like, no, no, we're not. No, you guys uh, just forget that that existed. Yeah, I really liked Rob Zombie's Halloween, uh, the first one of his, uh, you know, two films. I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, Rob Zombie kind of has this weird um, pigeonhole that he's halfway shoved himself into where everything is just hillbilly psychopaths from, you know, Trailer Park Hell. I really liked his Halloween reboot for being something that's supposed to be completely, you know, a whole new take on that mythos. I thought it was pretty good. Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie. I have not made it more than about 10 minutes in on four separate occasions before I turn it off and just get really, really irritated to fucking hell about it. Um, I've got a friend of mine who talked to me about it today, and he said, you know, when John Carpenter, and I knew this little tidbit here, but when John Carpenter was propositioned to make the original Halloween 2 that takes place in the hospital... He didn't necessarily want to. He said, you know, I don't need a sequel. And then it changed to, well, if I did a sequel, I need way more time than this, which is why we have Halloween 2018. But he was kind of forced to make this movie. And so we got what we got. And admittedly, Halloween 2 is a pretty fucking great movie with, you know, John Carpenter. But then whenever Rob Zombie got propositioned, like, hey, make another one. Apparently, he didn't want to initially. And then he talked to John Carpenter and old Johnny Carp told him, you know what? I had the same position that you're in. And just fucking go out and make a movie. If they want you to make a sequel, 
then fucking put it all on the table, push every envelope, and just fucking go bonkers making a movie. And then that's what they get. And they get what they get. And so that's why that movie is why and how and what it is. So knowing that, now I want to give it another shot, even though it really tries my patience. And I'm a pretty open-minded horror movie guy. But fuck me if I haven't tried to watch that four times and turned it off all four times. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I think that uh, they did a really great job with this one. Uh, I think that it's kind of odd that, again, they released it on Peacock and in theaters because it's going to hurt the film because now they're going to say, well, uh, you know, the opening weekend is only, you know, $45 million, and Terrifier did, you know, whatever Terrifier 2 did, which apparently Terrifier 2 is fucking awesome, too. Um, but, I mean, yeah, people are going to sit at home watching a movie because you can save, I mean, what's a, what's a movie date cost right now in Wichita, Kansas, for two people? 50 bucks. Oh, easily, yeah, the... I'm trying to think the last movie Jeffrey and I went to and we easily dropped uh, 40, 50 bucks. We took the kids to go see Love and Thunder mm-hmm. and it was closer to like 70, 75 after we got snacks and concession and everything else. So my golly, <laughs> yeah, that hurts, man. That is definitely rough. Yeah, that hurt daddy's wallet a little bit. <laughs> I bet it did. So yeah, I mean, in my shoes, I will watch the movie at home. I will not go out to theaters if you give me the option. But yeah, did you ever see Terrifier? Speaking of Terrifier two, no. Sorry, my mic no? was muted. I was trying to un- unmute it. Um, no, I I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, dude. And Josh, if you're uh, from YouTube, if you're listening, which you never will because I'll never upload these. Fuck you because we're 14 <laughs> minutes into the episode. Oh, fuck. That's funny, dude. That's too good. Okay, so Art the Clown is the main antagonist. He's our our monster, our slasher from the Terrifier series. But originally, that character was made as part of an anthology series called All Hallows Eve, which in its own right is a pretty badass anthology. So put that on your docket of stuff to do before the 31st, All Hallows Eve. Then they made a separate standalone film about Art the Clown called Terrifier. And then Terrifier 2 got an even bigger budget and a lot more offers to do stuff. And then, you know, the guy who made it was just like, um, Damien Leone's just like, okay, fuck it. You guys want me to make another one? You're not going to hold me back. We're not going to edit this thing to death like every other Hollywood movie. And then I get to make a movie as long as I want. And if we can do that, yeah, we'll make a Terrifier 2. And apparently it's fucking just balls to the walls, nuts, and a phenomenal horror movie, apparently, for a modern horror movie. Oh, speaking of uh, voodoo, um, I did the other day, it was on sale for $1.99, 2021, a horror western titled Skinwalker with three stars. So three out of five stars, I feel like it's not bad. And the synopsis is, after after looting a Native American burial site, a hunter unleashes the legendary Skinwalker, a shape-shifting demon onto the unexpecting world. Uh, once thought to be only a legend, this ancient evil returns from the grave to wreak a terrible vengeance on all who are unfortunate enough to cross its path. Damn. Yeah, and Pretty if I good? go through, like, all the actors don't even have, like, actual, like, you know, photos. It's all just silhouettes because they're all, like, no-name people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fair. That's all right. You got to start somewhere, right? You know? Yeah. We like to call those undiscovered actors. Yeah. Well, let's not keep anybody waiting much longer here. Let's get into it. I uh, 
I googled paranormal news and weird news, and I typed in alien abduction into the news search, and it came up with UFO exhibit beaming down on Arizona boardwalk in Scottsdale this fall. And at first I got excited because I misread it and said that, uh, I thought it said UFOs beamed down on Scottsdale, and I'm like, fuck yeah, here we go. Uh, no, but this is still cruel to mention. In Phoenix, space invaders have set their sights on Scottsdale this fall, but it's going to be a perfectly safe family fun exhibit that delves into the history and allure of UFOs and other unearthly life, which will touch down on the Arizona boardwalk this fall. The attraction called UFO Experience, The Truth is Out There, will feature over 200 artifacts, film clips, and recordings that claim to show evidence of extraterrestrials dating back over a millennia spread across the galleries. If you love science fiction, are someone who embraces the idea of life on other planets, or even the biggest skeptic of otherworldly beings, this attraction is for you. Pieces in the display include contributions from ufologists and collectors, the galleries of the attraction near Loop 101, Pima Freeway, and Via de Ventura will showcase a simulation of an alien abduction, what role the military has played in modern sightings, pop culture props, and interactive elements, among many other great features. The exhibit is scheduled to open up in October on a date that has not yet been announced. This will be the eighth attraction at the boardwalk, taking over the previous spot, Occupied by the science of Ripley's Believe It or Not. So I don't think we can throw together a weekend trip to uh, Arizona with ease, especially because you guys are hitting the old dusty trail yourselves. But yeah. uh, that's pretty fucking cool. I just want to go to an uh, interactive alien abduction simulator. Although I might be able to talk Kenny Poo into going for it since he lives in Scottsdale. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a hidden GoPro. Give us a little uh, sneak peek. Yeah. Oh, oh, Kenny Poo. Well, with that, it rolled over into tonight's topic being a story of an alien encounter that happened in France. Presto, you ever heard of the old story of the Devils of Cossack Plateau, also known as the Cossack Encounter? Nope. Well, let me tell you about it. This encounter took place in the French Highlands one morning in the summer of 1967. It not only drew the attention of UFO investigators, but also for a short time, the national French media as well. Although the two witnesses were only children, something that many skeptics would point out as a reason to instantly doubt the claims, each of the two children's story would remain the same again and again and again with no variation even 20, 30, and 40 plus years after the event. Indeed, over the years that followed, they would leave many UFO researchers who spoke to them with no doubt whatsoever about what had happened. Furthermore, the two children, along with their other siblings, were well-known and well-liked across the town they lived in. Further still, though, their family father was serving as the mayor of Cossack at the time of the sighting. He was so convinced about the authenticity of the story, he immediately contacted the police, regardless of the adverse publicity it might generate. 
Such an action for somebody in such a potentially precarious public position is perhaps a testament to how genuine he believed the story his children told him. It was around 8 a.m. on the bright sunny morning of August the 29th, 1967, and the Cantel Plateau in the French commune of Cossack. 13-year-old Francois and his 9-year-old sister, Anne-Marie, along with the family dog, Mador, were herding their family's tin cows across the open land that morning. It was a warm, clear day, but due to their elevation, a fog began to hug the ground and roll across the hills for a short time. And the wind blew and the temperature was just a little chilly. Now to pass the time, the two siblings would play cards and talk while keeping a watchful eye on the family herd. At around 10.30 a.m. that morning, Francois had noticed several of the cows attempting to cross a low wall that led into the neighbor's land. So he quickly got up, issuing commands to Mador to round up the herd and bring them back away from the neighbor's wall. Well, as he's doing this, however, Francois noticed four small figures walking around an adjacent field. He believed they were children at first, although his sight was also obscured, he says, by a hedgerow at the edge of the field. So he climbed up on some large stones in order to see the hedge from a better vantage point. And once he did, he became even more puzzled by what he thought were children. These strange creatures adorned a strange black clothing, which had a silken look, he said. Bizarrely, and a little unnerving for him, he couldn't quite make out any facial features, though. He would estimate they stood around three to four feet tall, although two of them were distinctly smaller than that. He would describe their heads as normal size, although their limbs were longer than that of a person. As he continued watching the group, he noticed they were picking up samples off the ground. Although Francois was now certain these strange creatures were not children at all, Anne-Marie, possibly due to her young age, still believed they were watching nothing more than a group of four children playing in a field. So much so that she actually called out, Do you want to play with us? As soon as the question left her mouth, though, the four creatures suddenly realized they were being watched and dove behind a nearby hedge to take cover. Next to the mysterious group of four bizarre children stood a brilliant sphere, which was now visible to the two children. The brightness of the orb was so bright that neither Francois or his sister Anne-Marie could look at it directly for very long. Then, much to their astonishment, one of the strange figures jumped into the air, maintaining its height as if it has an invisible rocket booster on its back. It hovered over the glowing sphere for a short period and then went head first and disappeared inside. Another figure quickly followed suit, as did a third, all three hovering off the ground and then disappearing into the strange sphere. Then the one solitary lone figure who remained, with the sphere now beginning to rise off the ground, appeared to concentrate on the ground as if picking something up. Francois noticed that it appeared to be some sort of mirror-like device that he said he had seen the creature holding earlier. With the shining object in his hand, the fourth figure caught up to the sphere, now which was moving in a spiral motion, and soon dove inside of it like the other three companions had. 
The glowing globe continued to rise, now slowly. It was around 50 feet off the ground, with a soft whistling noise emanating from it. At the same time, there was a strong smell of sulfur that hit both of the two children's noses. Their dog Mador barked anxiously, and the cowherd became noticingly unsettled. So the two children were torn between the need to round up the agitated cattle and watching the glowing sphere continuing to rise and now gaining speed as it rose into the sky above them. They said within about 30 seconds it vanished from their sight. The two children quickly rounded up the cattle and returned them to the family farm, where their father, the mayor of Cossack, immediately noticed the agitated state of the dog as well as the cattle. As they were in the apparent shock and confused state, they would tell him of the devils who floated away from the glowing sphere they had just saw out in the field. In response, he would contact local police, who he knew and got along with very well. They would arrive around 4 p.m. that afternoon, several hours after the encounter from earlier that morning. They would, along with the children and their father, go to the scene where the children had saw the sphere. The smell of sulfur was still very strong and lingering in the air, and they also noticed there was now a yellowed patch of grass near the hedge where the children claimed the bizarre craft had been sitting. The patch of grass it had yellowed was around 15 feet across. The police would record the incident with their superiors, and it would ultimately appear in the local and national French newspapers, all, however, being marked as an unexplained event. Several UFO investigators would examine the incident over the following decade, and while there's little doubt in the authenticity of the story from the two witnesses, doubt still remains, as it oftentimes does in these stories. As to whether or not the incident was a genuine extraterrestrial close encounter of the third kind, incidentally, and to the children's credit, they have never once varied in the telling of the incident that they witnessed something bizarre. When UFO investigators Joel Mansnard and Claude Pavi visited the children several weeks later, they would interview them in separate rooms. They had also purposefully asked them the same questions, but in different ways, to test the genuineness of the account of what happened. The two separate children would tell the same version of the story, and neither contradicted each other or themselves in answering the many questions. Mesnard and Pavi would state that their belief in the children's account was genuine, and furthermore, the significance and importance of the case shouldn't be dismissed. And while their age, as well as them being the only witnesses to the actual event, could cast doubt on the details of the incident, one corroborating witness surfaced later during the initial investigation, a rural policeman who, although was not at the scene, would state hearing a strange whistling noise near the area of the sighting at roughly the same time the children claimed the incident had taken place. France, just like many other countries, has a particularly long history of UFO sightings, several which would take place that same year in 1967. So whether or not there's a connection between the incident in Cossack in 1967, that same year several people saw several interesting UFO encounters that would later unfold. For an example, in August, in, in Roanne, Around 11 p.m., a witness would also report a dark humanoid figure outside their property. As they continued to watch the strange creature, the figure would approach a dark disk, 
which hovered at the edge of a nearby woodland. Later, um, and then previously in the month of July on the 17th, in Arc-Saw-Sacone, several children would witness strange creatures with, quote, protruding stomachs dressed in black suits. They'd further state that they moved very fast without touching the ground. When the strange figures would disappear, the children would discover another similar circle that was burnt into the grass where they were, uh, where they were standing. Even more intriguing is the agricultural worker who had witnessed these strange creatures on two consecutive days in July on the 14th and 15th, both leading to the children's sighting being more true than false. Although the exact date's unknown other than when it happened being in 1967, in Siena et Marne, a farmer also reported witnessing a saucer-shaped craft hovering silently over his land. According to this report, the top of the craft featured a transparent dome, and through this he could see several small figures dressed in dark blue clothing. On the evening of January 6, 1967, about eight months before the Cossack encounter, again around 11 p.m., in Averon, six luminous spheres were witnessed flying over the town, but even stranger, a luminous shaft of light could be seen emerging from the underside of one of the strange crafts which reached all the way to the ground. According to the witness, within the bizarre column of light was a strange-looking humanoid figure. So who knows exactly what happened back in the year of 1967 in France, but it sounds to me like there was quite a buzz. I think the one thing that stands out for me in that story is the kids both said they smelt sulfur and traditionally if you look back throughout history that is something that is related to demonic cases so if somebody is um, encountering a demonic entity um, that uh, you know they'll say like the smell of sulfur so that begs the question uh, is are aliens demonic entities and not actually real life you know extraterrestrial aliens or have aliens been visiting earth for so long that since we didn't have a clear understanding of what aliens were you know 2,000 years ago 1,000 years ago that those fucking ancient astronaut guys like that dude that's I'm not saying it's aliens, but aliens, man. <laughs> is that guy right? Yeah. Like, it's not demons. It's just been aliens this whole entire time. Or is that crazy <laughs> guy on the corner that's always got the band, uh, van with the, you know, the the flood is coming and uh, you, you got to read my <laughs> pamphlet to be able to be saved because of demons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody come to my prophet van. Well, there you have it, folks. Strange encounters happening in France. And, you know, we really haven't done too many abduction or alien encounter stories outside of the U.S., so I think that's something we ought to focus on, you know, in the episodes and years to come, broadening our horizons a bit. Yeah, I'd like to actually uh, go back and uh, just uh, see how many of the UFO abduction cases that... uh, we've covered or even like us you know the sam down clown mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. it reported that those kids smelled sulfur because i would like to explore that connection of sulfur a little bit more yep 
the smell of sulfur and the appearance of fog. Those are two of uh, paranormal nature's big uh, red flags. Get the fuck out. Yeah, one guy was driving down a country road one time. It was up in, uh, you know, Kentucky, Rob's neck of the woods. Yeah. And got lost. He was looking for the best fishing spot that he could find and stopped at the local gas station and asked those yokels, like, hey, can you point me in the right direction? And they said, sure thing, bud. Let me draw it on this napkin for you. You're going to go up here about a quarter mile, take about another left, and then take another right, and then go up another quarter mile. You're going to loopity loop around here. You're going to see some trees, and you're going to go through here, and then that is the best goddamn spot to catch yourself a catfish you have ever seen. So the guy's like, fuck yeah, boom, boom, gets in the car, <laughs> gets about halfway up the road, and fucking this green fog disappears out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. he's like, I don't, I don't know, it's like a storm rolling in. Like, what the fuck? Is it like algae? Right? Because mm-hmm. you're in your rational mind. You're trying to go through, like, what's creating this green fog? This guy is not like us. He is, he is not, you know, wrapped around the paranormal world. He doesn't know all the <laughs> subtle nuances that green fog is, is bad. Yeah. And he goes through the mist, and then, like, all of a sudden, there's this fucking wooden cabin, and he pulls up, and, like, this guy that looks like, you know, Civil War era, like, what in tar nations? Is that the devil's carriage right there? And then he's like, what the fuck? And, like, he spends a week, basically, the 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 green fog had transported him in time, like, 200 years, so he's back in, like, you know, the early 1800s with Uncle Bob and fucking you know they're having a shootout he gets shot and the, his jeep gets shot up and uh, so he takes off and then the only thing to prove his story was he actually kept like one of the the pistols flintlock pistols or whatever it was i don't know some people debunked it but i'm just thinking like i don't know it's the green fog i mean it says it all right there true story because of the green fog well damn yeah, that's a little added bonus of this episode. You're welcome, people. Thank you. You won't hear my voice for a week. Yeah, buddy, you're not going to be joining me next week because you will be on your honeymoon. Um, but that's okay. I'll work up something special and in the meantime continue to hammer away getting the rest of this stuff up on the feed and then hopefully be caught up and get back to some longer episodes. But uh, yeah, when Daddy gets back, though, we're uh, we're planning on hitting the Death Museum in Louisiana, and Ooh. I'm not allowed to take like a recorder or like take photos, but uh-huh. I'm gonna be taking a lot of mental notes on like all the weird cadaver parts and uh, like you you know serial killer uh, pieces that they have. Like I don't know, they got like maybe like an axe that was used in a murder or like you know something from Dahmer. I don't know. I'm speculating. I heard that it's just it's batshit crazy. So, well, I mean, if you sneak in a uh, recorder, eh, who's gonna know, right? Right. It's not like they. I, fucking I may listen. or may not have some uh, contraband footage and photos of the Winchester house. Uh, yeah, <laughs> might or might not, but. <laughs> well, until next time, folks. Please follow us on the old social media on Instagram at PXL Paranormal. On Facebook, it is The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. And, of course, you've already found the new feed. Bear with us. We'll get the rest of the old stuff loaded on there and then jump back into the goods. The goal is to have everything up and running so we can drop an official 2022 Halloween special in your laps to celebrate having everything finally uploaded. 
Presto Speaking House of, of YouTube. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, we're up one, dude. We're up 200, 214 subscribers, so thank you um, if you're listening to this. Actually, I'd like to give a shout-out to all the kids that go to my daughter's school because apparently in <laughs> oh, uh, no. her, her home economics class – they're allowed to listen to Spotify while they're making pillows and bacon brownies. Oh, and so no. So she's been peddling the show. Oh, no. She, <laughs> yeah, she found us on Spotify. So if you're in my daughter's middle school home economics oh, class boy. and you're listening to this, take your little butts over to YouTube, like, subscribe, <laughs> and share. Uh, Uncle oh, Sean and Uncle Preston would appreciate that. Oh, holy cow. Well, hey, yeah. kids, uh, you know, stay yeah. in school, don't do drugs. Uh, listens to your parents and question everything. <laughs> yeah, and watch out for the green mist. It's nothing fun's going to happen about that. And stay away from yeah, clowns. Exactly, exactly. That's fantastic. Tell her uh, thanks for um, spreading the gospel. <laughs> and also, uh, Jeffrey, I am sorry if it lands her in detention. Uh, we never told her to do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. Hey, look at as always, if you need a beard, want a beard if you want to grow a beard if your special day is coming up and you want to look and smell the most fantastic that you can smell like i am tomorrow because i'm going to be rocking the bay rum and my man fuzz then go over to bigdobsbeardbomb.com and use promo code pxlpara for 20 percent off your order and find yourself some scents like bay rum sweet tobacco fresh citrus mint and classic get it all get it at dobbs well, holy cow. And if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post, Pawnee, and Seneca. All right. Behalf on Big Steve and all the way up in Minnesota, cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal your guide to the unusual and the strange.